through. I know you don't know me well, but I get an opportunity to work with your team, with Pastor Matthew, and I love him and Penny and their family with all my heart. I thank God for what I see as he's, that the whole team is growing and how you're impacting Hilton Head and beyond. Jesus is at work at Grace Church. Amen to that. I just hate the welcome that you gave me this morning. Early this morning, I walked up on the pathway to walk right through the doors, and there was a rooster that was crowing right over here. I'm a Clemson Tiger. I don't like roosters. Y'all get that point, right? I chuckled out loud. I said, Matthew Palmer, whether he's here or not, I think he's going to hide in this weekend. I said, he said, you want me there or not? I said, I get nervous when you're around. Do not show up. So if he's here, don't tell me. Deal? I have a few moments with you today in Mark chapter 9, and I love the Bible, and you love the Bible, and that's why I, come, I love teaching here. You care about Jesus. You care about the Bible, and the Bible's critically important to you. So take your tablets, take your phone, take your Bible, and turn to Mark chapter 9. Now, I've got a simple message that you're going to recognize everything that I say. Those of you that have been Christians a long time, I'm not here to give you necessarily new information, but I want you to tie yourself and align yourself to Jesus Christ. In our world today, I'm so afraid that the American church is deluding itself because we have some kind of version and, and vision for something that's not Jesus. And the only thing that really matters is Jesus and a group of people that aligns themselves to him to what he said and what he did. And the more we align ourselves to him, the more we become like him, the more the world's not going to like us. But sometimes in churches, people are not going to like us because it's scary to them. It pushes them a little further than they really want to go. And even today, you might get pushed a little further than you really want to go. But I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to criticize you. My job is is to align myself to Jesus and to faithfully teach you what he says in his word. And I'm counting on the Holy Spirit to unite you with the word of God and for you to be changed forever. Because I really believe that's going to happen today. You're going to be changed forever if you're listening to what the Holy Spirit says and not to Carl Martin. I've titled this Kingdom Greatness. So close and yet so far. Kingdom Greatness. So close and yet so far. Now, context is important. When I teach the Bible, you know this. Matthew, you pre he preaches through one verse at a time, through one chapter at a time. And if you're not familiar with that, if you're new here, it's the best way to give you the context of what Jesus did here and what Jesus did there and what he really meant. And the, the Holy Spirit just takes that context and makes it come alive as you study the Word of God. Well, give me just a minute to unpack Mark 9, just a little bit of 8 and 9 to remind you where the disciples really were. Walking with Jesus is a mountaintop and a valley experience. Would you agree with that? The disciples had just come off the mountain. They'd seen Jesus dazzle them, so to speak. His garments were white, and Peter just bursted out with some something about shelters being built. Can we stay here? And Jesus moves from the mountaintop down into the valley. 
Well, if I were to tell you exactly what the focus of Mark 9 is all about, would you notice there in verse 1 of Mark 9, before I get to my passage, and my passage is Mark 9, 30 through 37, but I need to draw your attention to verse 1 of chapter 9. This is where Jesus said to those that were around him, Truly I tell you, some are standing here who will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. Now, do you want to see in present day the kingdom of God come with power, yes or no? I want to see it come with power, not to be some diluted, lackluster type of American Christianity or nationalism, but something that is full of power and something that's full of energy and something that's full of meaning and something that's full of depth. Jesus wants that for you too. So let me read verse 30 through 37. Let's pick up in Mark 9. Jesus is traveling from the north in Galilee. He's moving from Caesarea Philippi down through Galilee, moving down on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to die. And he's attempted to tell his disciples that once before. He's going to tell them again, but they're not getting the message. They're not cluing in. They're not buying into what he's saying. Peter even said, hey, Jesus... In Mark 8, I need to tell you something. You're talking about going to Jerusalem to die? Well, I tell you what, come over here with me. Let me take a little walk with you. Remember what Peter did? Jesus, let's don't go to Jerusalem and die. Let's think of another mission, another plan, another way. And Jesus stood there and said, get thee behind me, adversary. Get thee behind me, Satan. So as Jesus was on his journey... He was moving and weaving his way from the north down to the south. And the Bible continues and says Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. The teacher was pulling them off formally and informally, instructing them. They had to know the mission. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of men. They will kill him. After three days, he will rise again. But they, the disciples, did not fully understand what he meant. Circle this, but they were afraid to ask him about it. You don't have to be, it's a side note, you don't have to ever be afraid to ask Jesus anything. I know the disciples were afraid because Jesus reacted and rebuked Peter and they didn't want to be embarrassed, but you never have to be afraid. On your walk with Jesus, whether you just became a Christian, whether you've been a Christian two years or 20 years or beyond, to just settle down with him and say, Jesus, tell me again. What is it that you want? I want to follow you. I want to align myself with you. But the disciples were afraid to ask him. That concerns me. Then verse 33 reads, continue as we read, they came down to Capernaum. Remember the the city where Simon Peter lived and it was their headquarters up in the northern part of Galilee. They came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing arguing about on the road? Uh Uh-oh. Walking in little so to speak, the disciples who followed Jesus as teenagers would have been by themselves in twos or threes, Jesus a little bit ahead, but he could hear them as they made their way. What are you arguing about on the road? Then silence. Nothing. I got nothing, Jesus. I'm good. You go ahead. I don't want to talk anymore. You can see them just shut down, and the Bible tells us, but they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Wow. 
I've never done that. How about you? I'm glad I've never been prideful or thought about being great or pushed myself forward. I don't know you people. I'm glad y'all came today because y'all need this. I sure don't need this. Let's move to the next one. So Jesus pulls him. Get into context. He says, I can talk to you informally, but we got to sit down. we got to have a little talk. And there's not going to be 4,000 here. There's not going to be 5,000 here. There are going to be we people right around the table sitting down. The Bible tells us, verse 35, he called the 12 to himself. It seems to me he was trying to connect with them like I want to connect with you. I want to pull you in. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. And then he took a little child, you know the passage well, whom he had placed among them. And taking the child, a small child in his arms, he said, Whoever welcomes one of these little children and receives these children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me does not just receive me, but he receives the one who sent me. Now pray with me. Now I'm praying for you and I'm praying for me because all of us have been prideful. But we need to really know the way of the Savior, the way of the King, and the work of the kingdom. That's what I'm going to unpack. I'm just going to ask you to think and pray and listen and see what the Holy Spirit has for you. Father, I want to know what you have for me in this passage. I want to know what I need to do, how I need to change, how I need to grow. I don't always want to go and grow where you want me to. We don't always, but today, speak to us so we hear you clearly. And I pray in Jesus, your name, amen. I grew up an hour and a half from here in a little small town, Ellery, South Carolina. It's going north on Interstate 95, exit 98. Go off to the left five or six miles, you'll find my little small town. My grandmother, when she died, was only 69 years old. I used to think that was old, but now at 61, why did God take her at 69? There's so much more to do. Amen. I remember the day in her home, I'd always go on Saturday mornings and watch the cartoons and and she would cook me a breakfast and it was just a thrilling place to go. And she was a godly, wonderful woman. I remember hearing her pray, but I also remember one day she gave me a little piece of rock candy, a little piece of hard candy. Now, I don't know how you are with your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, but I'm a new granddaddy. I'm a rookie. One grandson... 11 months old, I'm learning every day. Never thought you could feel that good. Never knew that my heart could swell that big. Never knew that a smile from a little guy could make me feel so good. But it does, I'm telling you. Woo! She gave me a little piece of candy, and it got lodged right here in my throat. I remember in Grandmama's house, she turned me upside down, and that woman was shaking me. This little old woman that hunched like this, gray hair, she had me upside down because she loved me and she was trying to get that piece of candy out of my mouth. I never ate a piece of hard candy in her house ever again. And I'm telling you the truth, without it being chopped up, you know, like a thousand pieces, and I, I just didn't know how it felt to have someone you loved being choking on something. And now when my little boy who comes see me, gets a piece of French toast, even somewhat lodged in his throat. I'm diving across the high chair to rescue him and save him. The disciples were choking on themselves. They were trying to digest what Jesus was talking about, and they didn't quite get it. You get the picture? You ever choked on yourself? 
I have. They were choking upon themselves. I want to show you really how not to choke on yourself. How not to choke on yourself. The church in America has two tools of Satan that work against us. <laughs> My little grandmama used to say all the time as I walked through her house, get thee behind me, Satan. I can't read Mark 8 or talk about Mark 9 without thinking about that little sweet woman who constantly let her, her, her false teeth drop. And she'd say, she'd say, get thee behind me, Satan. I tell you, all these images have just been piling into my mind this week. But I want you to say, get thee behind me, Satan, to two things. Distraction. Pride. The way of the king is focus. And there's only one mission. And the mission of Jesus is implied through everything that's on your website. I'm supposed to win people to Christ. Then I'm supposed to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And then I duplicate myself. Isn't that what Jesus did? So I want you to write down somewhere in your notes, somewhere, the way of the king. They left that place. What place do you need to leave as you're on the journey with Jesus? And they passed through Galilee. And Jesus did not want anybody to know where they were. He settled down. He wants to settle down with you. He wants to teach you something else today. I'm not fussing. I'm not judging. Sometimes I get passionate. But I just want to have a conversation with you. The way of the king is all about focus. Some of you are CEOs former CEOs, you owned your own business, you've you raised your family, and you always took the people with whom you worked and you refocused them on why they worked for you. You did it constantly. You were amazed at sometimes why they didn't get it, why you thought they didn't get it the way you got it. This is exactly the way the disciples were acting around Jesus. They were with him, but they didn't quite get what he was doing and why he was doing it. I want you to get what he was doing. Jesus slowed down to refocus his disciples upon his mission. And as simple as that is, there's nothing greater than you slowing down and causing yourself to realign with the mission of Jesus Christ. And ask yourself without fear, without him embarrassing you, he may rebuke you a little bit. He does that to me. He may correct you. I don't like it when he does it. But I'm glad he does it because he does it in love. He does it like he held that little child. He pulls us close and he says, I want you to know my way. And my way is focused. Somebody named, the last name Morgan, a great scholar, wrote down this. He said, Jesus found disputing scribes. He found a distracted father. He found a dis demon-possessed boy. And in this passage, he found defeated, arrogant disciples. He silenced the scribes. He comforted the father. He healed the boy. But he also instructed the disciples. That's all I'm trying to do. I just want you to be so in tune with Jesus. All Matthew Palmer wants for you to do, all the staff members want for you to do, is just be aligned and engaged with Jesus and what that mission is. Because you are a powerful place when you're aligned with Jesus. And when you're aligned with Jesus and Grace Church gets so focused upon the kingdom of God and the king that reigns and you really in your life are modeling what Jesus said and you're doing what he said, you're modeling it and you're assisting others, 
and you're watching others and you're launching others, when you're doing what Jesus said, let me just ask you, what is Jesus' mission? If, you had, if I had to put you on the spot and bring you up on the stage, if I pinned you down and put you right here and we had an interview process and I said, what is the mission of Jesus? Don't answer out loud, but could you answer the question? Somewhere in your notes, write down Matthew 4.19. Jesus found these little teenagers, actually boys, who were fishing. And they really were teenagers. And they couldn't enroll in school. They couldn't follow the rabbi. They, they thought that their lives were over. And he found them in Matthew chapter 4. And he walked up to a few of them and he said these words in Matthew 4.19. Come after me. Follow me. And I will make you fish for men, men and women, as simple as I can tell you. There is the mission of Jesus. That's as simple as it is. Whether you have never met Jesus before, whether you just met him two weeks ago, whether you've known him for 25 years, follow me. Let me change you and let me send you to find some other people. Operation Multiplication is the organization that helped me the most about this. You know, even as a pastor, and I'm pastoring one of the communities here in the area, and I love it. I love interacting with you, interacting with people. I just, you know, to encourage people. My, my gift is pastor-teacher with the gift of encouragement. And when Matthew Palmer gives me an opportunity to use that here, it just makes my heart so full. But it makes it more full when I get to be with people who really want to hear the word of God. And you do. Don't miss this. Jesus' mission is to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And he does it in three ways. One-on-one, one-on-some, and one-on-many. And I hope you understand that this is just a discipleship relationship right now. There are many of us gathered here. God wants to use some of you to make disciples that way, to use your gifts this way. Simon Peter, James, where are you? God's calling you right now to make disciples. And some of you have the gifts to do it one on many. But many of you have the gifts to do it one on some. Yes, they were walking in pods along the way. And yes, some of you are in life groups. Some of you are in triads. Some of you are in Bible studies. And I thank God for you. Because I'm in small groups every week, not because Jesus says so. That's a good reason. But because I need it. But because God is shaping me and God is shaping you. And he uses other people in our lives when we get vulnerable. And we get, we get, we get transparent. And we have to tell how we really are and confess what we've done and talk about that one-on-some. That's the way Jesus makes disciples, one-on-many, one-on-some, but one-on-one. How are you doing with Jesus? Where are you in your relationship with him? Are you walking with him? Are you walking behind him? Are you walking in front of him? Where are you on your journey? Do you understand his mission are you lockstep in him? Are you playing the old game where you wrap two of you together, just wrap something around your legs and you tried to walk together in the game? How hard that is. That's all Jesus wants to do with you. Simple question. Do you know what his mission is? And are you surrendered to it? 
Somewhere in your notes, write down the word surrender. I don't think the disciples quite got it. Jesus says, I'm going to die. Don't want to die. I'm going to be hurt. Don't really want to get hurt. They're going to put a crown of thorns on my head. Not looking for that. They're going to put nails in my hands. Don't really want to be nailed that way. Don't want the spear in my side. Don't want to be stripped naked on a cross. I don't want to be hurt. And Jesus said, I do. For you. For you. For you. And for me. The most powerful way you can live. And what ushers in the kingdom of God is when you and I stand with the white flag drawn in a place of surrender and just go, Jesus, you're all I've got. You're all I want. Your mission is what I see. Now tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'm here. You ready? Do you know his mission? Are you surrendered to it? You see, there's the way of the king, and that's his way. Grace Church will slip off and become another deluded American body if it doesn't align itself. Praise God. You've got a pastor and a team who is aligned that Jesus Christ is all that matters. Your elders want Jesus to matter and other people to be one to him. You ought to give them a round of applause and a pray because and, and thanksgiving because they're focused upon Jesus and they want you to be focused upon Jesus. Are you focused upon him? Let me give you another principle. I'll try to be fast here. I do talk quite fast. Somewhere in your notes, I want you to write down the work of the kingdom. For me as a Christian, I mean, uh, I'm an old Christian now, but even as a new Christian, when you follow the way of the king, there's something that begins to happen to you. And we find it in verses 33 through 37 as the disciples beginning to find out, how does Jesus work? He works right here on the heart. He works right here on the mind. He works right here in the whole soul of who you are. And his greatest work is when you let him change your heart. He changes your heart when you surrender. The way of the king is all about surrender, but the work of the kingdom is all about humility. The disciples didn't know that. They came to the house, and Jesus was in the house. And he asked them, what were you arguing about? What were you debating about? But they settled down, and they were quiet. I got nothing. I'm not saying anything else. And in the Aramaic word, the word in this passage for child and the word for servant is the same thing. Can you imagine how Jesus must have felt? Here I am, totally focused upon going to Jerusalem, and I have called you and been with you, and I have worked with you, but yet you've missed my mission. You've missed it. He didn't get mad, just like he's not getting mad at you. He didn't, sure, he was fully human, fully divine, but he pulled his boys close, just like he's trying to pull you close right now. He's trying to pull you around him just like he pulled that little child up in his arms because that's the way he works. The way of the king always teaches about the work of the kingdom. And the work of the kingdom is always about service and all the way about, always about humility. The boys had to learn this. Fortunately, they did. I don't know if you like car dealerships. Is there anybody here that owns a car dealership? Car dealership. Anybody here own a car dealership? Raise your hand. I want to see you. 
All right, thank you so much. I don't see that hand. I do not like going to car dealerships. How about you? Because I spend too much money. I go in there thinking I'm going to spend this amount of money and end up going, well, that was too much, but that car sure really is nice. And boy, it smells nice too. And then they get me in another way. Have a relationship with the guy that takes care of my car at the local dealership, you know. So he, he always calls me. He's built a relationship. And no matter when I take my car in and whether it's the oil that needs to be changed, the transmission that needs to be changed and flushed out, you know, or that oil filter, I hate it when I'm sitting there drinking that wonderful cup of coffee, waiting on them, and they come back with that air filter that's so dirty. You ever been there? And they're like, are, it makes me feel like I'm just like a failure. It's almost like if you don't change this air filter, you're going to be one dirty man. I'm telling you one thing. And you're going to put your wife and your children and your grandchildren in bad situations if you don't. That. So I'm thinking, $49.95, $49.95. Do I want to spend $49.95? Is he trying to trick me? I'm not sure. Do I want a clean filter? I don't know. All I know is that looks really dirty to me. <laughs> They brought me out last time I was in a little test tube that was just really filthy, dirty. And like, do you want this change? Well, I'm like, of course I want that change. He probably put $1,223. We'll change that out for you right now. All of my friends who are car dealers are going to say, we hate you, Pastor Carl. We hate you. All Jesus did by bringing the child into his arms in front of the disciples was to tell his boys, let me remind you what it's all about. And the work of the kingdom is not arguing about who's great. The kingdom you're thinking about is not my kingdom. The kingdom you're dreaming about is not my kingdom. The kingdom you're walking and talking about is not my kingdom. My kingdom is the one where you're small and where you're useful, where you're innocent, but you are powerful. You tell me children are not powerful. Aren't they powerful? They are somewhat innocent, and they're growing. But I know that little 11-month-old grandchild of mine, he's more powerful than he thinks he is. I hope he doesn't wake up one day and realize how powerful he really is because he's going to get everything that I have, and he could have it. Children are powerful. And Jesus reached down and said, boys, I want to teach you something. And I know how they felt. They just felt just like you do when the air filter comes out. They felt dirty. They felt low. But that's not what Jesus was trying to do. That's not the Jesus we serve. We, we, don't, we don't serve a Jesus who embarrasses us. We don't serve a Jesus who shames us. We serve a Jesus who loves us, who corrects us, who gracefully intersects us where we are and says, buddy, you're not thinking correctly. Your perspective is wrong. Your worldview is off. The worldview should be about me. It's about serving. It's about going deep. It's about lowering yourself. I'm glad Simon Peter got the message. That day he was rebuked. Don't you know he was embarrassed? He was embarrassed. Oh, I got to lead this group of people. And Jesus rebuked me and called me adversary right there in front of all those people. And I think he was sitting there in his own house when Jesus reached and picked up his own child. Don't know. Wasn't there. Just surmising. And Peter goes, I got it. I know that Peter has it. Because 1 Peter chapter 5. 5 through 8, reads this way. Likewise, you younger. Golly, this is so good. Because Peter got it. Teaching other people. Submit yourselves 
unto the older. Yep, all of you subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. Yep, he got the point. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You think Peter might have felt a little bit shamed? Not what Jesus meant, just corrected. And now as an old man, he writes it down. Same thing I want to say to you as an old man. Hey, just be humble. Just be humble. You can't do it by yourself, but it's all about surrender. It's all about Jesus. It's all about service. I'm not a chemist. Go ask Clemson University chemistry professor who helped me through chemistry at Clemson. Whoo, don't know how I got through it. Thank God for him. But I do know the difference between pH paper and litmus paper. When I think about a pH strip, and I see the P and the H, I think about my proud humility balance. You know what litmus paper in its neutral way is supposed to determine whether something's acidic or alkaline. You got that. You know that. Simple litmus test. Simple pH strip. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. One a tax collector. Jesus told the story. Great story. One went up to the temple and he said this. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, Dear God, thank you that I'm not like other people, like those robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast. God, have mercy on me, sinner. And I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God because all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. There is the way of the king that involves the work of the kingdom. The work of the kingdom is a heart transformation. It takes time. The great thing about it is we've got the loving hands of a Savior who took nails for us, that we're right in the middle of his hands and in the middle of his arms. And he's holding us and changing us to, to become just what he is. And it happens in a one-on-one -on -one relationship. It happens in a one-on-some relationship. And it happens in a one-on-many relationship. You can move from pride to humility. Pride says, I don't have a need. Pride says, I can meet my own needs. Pride says, I'm superior to others. Pride says, look at what I do. That describes who I am. No, it doesn't. When you walk with Jesus and you're aligned with him, you are a changed and transformed child of the king. You become royalty that we sang about momentarily ago. You don't have to worry about performing for the world when you're surrendered and serving Jesus by serving people. Go low. That's the way to go. Go low and let God use you. Let me pray for you.
I'm so glad you came today. I'm so glad we got a chance to worship Jesus together. And I'm very, very thankful that you listened for a few minutes to the Word of God. I hope when you walk away that you're going to be different because of the Holy Spirit, because of the Word. I hope you will go low with your family. I hope you will think about, do you have a group of friends? Are you connected at Grace Church with a group somewhere? There's a way to get connected online. There's a way to tell somebody you have a need. Please, go low. Connect. Connect. Don't be afraid to be changed. And just go low like Jesus did. Father, I pray for my friends, wherever they are. As we sing a reflection song, as we think about what you've told us, as we walk into the rest of our day, you're going to whisper to us. But I'm glad that you welcome us into your arms. I'm glad that you hold us, and I'm glad you change us, and you just transform us every day. You never stop loving us. You never stop working on us. And so we walk out into this day telling you, please help us be in tune with you, listen to you, follow you, and go get somebody else just like you do. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.